All right, church body. If you make your way back to your seats, if you've got your copy of God's Word this morning, and I, I hope you do, uh, you can make your way over to Daniel chapter 3 as we move forward in our uh, Mastering Mountains series. Daniel chapter 3. Amen. And we're going to read verses 12 through 27 just to do a recap in case you weren't here last week. When you find your place in God's Word, I would ask that you stand out of reverence to reading the Word of God. And once you get to your place in the Word of God, you can let me know that you're there simply by saying, I found it. I found it. Daniel chapter 3, verses 12 through 27. Scripture says in Daniel chapter 3, verses 12 to 27, if you'll follow along as I read aloud, the Bible says there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Nebuchadnezzar said in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said un, unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. I tell you what, in the past several weeks, studying some of these men of God, they had zero problem with calling the play as it lies. Right? I love it. Um, I've been known to, to do that once or twice, and people let me know that often. Right? Nebuchadnezzar, we're not, er, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand. So whether he delivers me from the burning fiery furnace or not, I promise you, O king, he will deliver me from your hand. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor will we worship the image that thou hast set up. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed, changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more then it would be heated. So I want it heated hotter than it was in the past. I want it heated hotter than it's ever been in history. I want it hot because I want them to die. Verse 20, and he commanded the most mighty men. These weren't the smallest dudes, right? Nebuchadnezzar didn't call up Don. He didn't look up to Don and say, hey, in your five foot nine hundred and fifty pound self, I want you to go take these guys. He called his mightiest men. 
to grab these guys and go throw them in the furnace. But listen to this in verse 20. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats. They didn't have time to do anything. They bound them right then, bound them in their coats, their hosen, their hats, all their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, verse 22, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flames of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. And he rose up in haste, and he spake and said unto the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, True, O king. Yes, we threw three men into that fiery furnace. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men. I'm looking into the fiery furnace and I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and he spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire. Listen to verse 27 and the princes. The governors, the captains, the king's council, all of them being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair on their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed upon them. May God bless the reading of the word this morning. You can be seated. Daniel chapter 3, as we're continuing our journey in uh, mastering mountains, we're here in Daniel chapter 3, and we should, good Lord willing, finish this up this morning. If not, you can come back next week and finish it out, maybe, right? But we're, we're hoping to get through Daniel chapter 3 this morning and finish up uh, this navigating faith in the fire. And as we talked about this last week, to kind of catch you up if you weren't here last week, right? This is an outstanding account. This is a phenomenal account of triumph. Over, over what seems to be insurmountable odds. You say, Pastor, I've been there. All right, have you been there this morning? You, you're looking at life and you're saying, I am meeting something right now in my life that you have no idea, Pastor. You don't know what I'm talking about. I may not know what you're talking about, but God does. And I serve a God who, who gets you past insurmountable objects in your life. He'll get you around the object. Not only will he get you around it, he'll get you over it. He'll get you under it. He'll get you through it, right? Because he promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And last week we covered how Daniel and the majority of Judah, along with these three Hebrew men, were taken captive from Babylon. They came in and, and took over and they took these uh, servants to, to be servants to their kingdom. And Nebuchadnezzar set them up in his kingdom. And through all of the hardships, all of the hardships of captivity, all the, the worries that they had, now they find themselves in a dilemma that was huge. This was a big dilemma, right? Because the king had set forth a decree, and he had put this decree out to all of the land, all of the providence. So if you're in this area, and you start hearing the sounds of music, you should bow down, and you should worship this golden image that I have set up. And it was a decree that was steadfast. It better happen, according to King Nebuchadnezzar. 
right? This was a big dilemma. This golden image that we talked about was some 90 feet tall. Can you imagine, right? We don't have many of those. I know we do have images set up in, in America, and America's getting sideways and has gotten sideways over the years, right? And we have plenty of images all over the place. You can get with me later on that if you're, you're interested. But there's images all over the place, right? But not something that's some 90 feet tall. This is an image that was 90 feet tall out of, out of gold. And he put out that decree that everyone was to bow down and worship it. Right? But they were committed to their Lord. They were committed to God. They didn't care what anyone said. They didn't care what decree went out. If it went against the word of God, they were standing steadfastly and they refused to bow to a man-made image of a deity that did not exist. They knew that deity did not exist because there's only one true God. There's only one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and him only will we serve. The Bible is explicit about that, right? Deuteronomy talks about that and says, hey, you train up your child, right, in the way that he should go. Talk about him uh, when you rise and when you lie down and when you walk in the way. And wherever you're at, you should be talking about the statutes of the Lord. It's the Shema, right? Shema, O Israel, right? Hear, O Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, the Lord your God, Adonai Echad, the Lord is one. There's only one God that we serve. There's only one God, and they knew that. They were not going to bow down to some images that this man had set up. They were going to bow only to God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They weren't bowing down to a God with a little g. This confrontation we studied last week, we saw that in verse 12 through 15, just to give you a, a catch-up. And I'm trying not to preach any of that stuff because I don't want to reiterate and go all over it again, right? But we saw their confrontation, right? And that confrontation, it didn't take long for them to get accused. In that confrontation, they were immediately beginning to get accused because they didn't bow down. Now, I want to I point something out real quick. When, when people start accusing you in life and, and, and they start accusing you of doing stuff, where is their attention at in the first place, right? Because if they were so devoted to this so-called God that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, their focus should have been on them and that God, right? right? They should have had their face bowed to the earth, bowing down to said God. They should have had their face bowed to the earth, bowing down and focusing on said God, but they were looking around. They were starting to get their eyes off of what they were supposed to be doing and they started getting into the, the three Hebrew boys' business, right? Nobody has experienced that in this church, have they, right? Nobody's ever got into your business before, right? That's where they were at. And so when somebody else is getting into your business, where is their, where's their focal point? Are they focused on serving a God that's perfect? Or are they setting their eyes on somebody that can fall and fail? Because I can promise you, Watch me long enough, I'll fall. Watch me long enough, I'll fail. Watch me long enough, I'll say something, I'll do something, or I'll think something that is not godly. Focus on God. You focus on God just like these three Hebrew boys did, right? It didn't take long for their refusal to be noticed. And we covered that, right? If you're serving the Lord and you're committed to Him, it's not going to take very long for somebody to point you out. It's not going to take long for you to your, your singing or your humming of Christian songs to get under somebody's skin. 
It's not going to take very long for you always saying, bless the Lord, to get under somebody's skin. It's not going to take very long when you mention the name, especially when you mention the name of Jesus Christ, to get under somebody's skin. Right? And it's so funny that thousands of years later, he still offends people. Because truth offends. Truth should offend. I want truth to offend me. Why? Because when truth offends me, then I know what's wrong in my life and I can make corrections. But now we have too much of a jellyfished spine generation where men are no longer men and they don't stand up on the word of God and they don't preach the word of God and it's not coming from behind the pulpit. And so when it's not coming from behind the pulpit, it's not going to be lived in the congregation because the congregation at that point only wants something that tickles their ears. Right? And they want something to feel good about themselves. I want to feel good and warm and fuzzy and, and make sure that I feel great about the way that I'm living on the outside. Atheism is the where it's at today because of that. That's the single greatest cause of atheism in the church today, in the world today. Right? That Christians who acknowledge them with their lips and walk out the door and deny them by their lifestyle. That's what they find unbelievable. You're either all in or you're not. Young people, you're either a fan or you're a follower. See, fans can sit in the, in the sidelines. Side I'm a fan. We talked about that. I'm a fan of the, of, the, of the Atlanta Braves. I'm not a follower. I can't tell you the coach. I can't tell you where everybody plays. I, I don't know all that. I don't know their, stats, their statistics. But boy, I love me a baseball game. And I'll sit there all nine innings. Eating my hot dog and, and, and peanuts and everything else. I love it. I'm a fan. I'm not a follower. See, that applies here too. Are you a fan of Christianity? You wear the jewelry, right? You got the necklace on and it's got the cute little cross. That's phenomenal. But where's our life? I'm a Christian when I'm in the four walls of the church. And I'm a Christian when I'm in with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because it's comfortable. I'm able to say, yeah, bless God. I'm having a great day. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed by the best. I'm blessed by the best. Right, but 30 minutes prior, I was swatting my kids in the back, saying all kinds of bad things, right? Right? Nobody's ever done that before. Maybe that's just me as a parent. Right, but here in Revelations, that's what, the, what we're talking about here. Those that came are in uh, Daniel, they were talking about those that were watching and accusing, but their mind was off. But where do you think they get this from? They get it from Satan himself. They get it from Satan itself because the word of God over in Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 speaks of that. And it speaks of Satan being the accuser of the brothers. He's accuser of the brother and he goes before God both day and night to accuse you. To accuse you and me before day and night all the time before God. He's the accuser of the brother and he's accusing God. He hates God. And if he hates God, and we're made in his image, who else do you think he hates? Born again or not born again, he don't like you. Because you're made in his image. You were made in his image and in his likeness. And you, listen to me church, and I, we have the ability to ask God to forgive us and move into a relationship with him. And he will never have that. Never have that. And he hates that. And I'll even go a step further. He loathes it. 
And he will do anything possible to distract us and to take us away from that fellowship of God. And if we're a believer and we fall, guess what he's going to do? He's going to step in and start accusing you. Don't go back and talk to the Father. You're not good enough to talk to the Father. You're not good enough to go into the throne room. Don't you? I wouldn't show my face up in God's throne room. You know what he's going to think when you come in his throne room asking forgiveness? And then we start doing what? That's right. Maybe I can't go into his throne room. Maybe I should what? Hide myself. Maybe I should hide myself. That's what I need to do. And then when God comes down like he did with Adam in the cool of the day and says, Adam, where are you? I'm hiding. But why? Why are you hiding from me? See that spiral? All because of what the enemy did? And it gets faster and faster the closer you get to the drain. Faster and faster you get. And he will use anything that he possibly can to hinder you, including people sitting right to your left and right. I want to warn you of something. Oh, no, I don't want to warn you. I want to encourage you. Get your eyes off your neighbor. Stop looking to your left and right. The person sitting to your left and right has nothing to do with your eternity. Nothing. It's between you and God. Focus on a God that's good and loves you and wants to have a relationship with you instead of focusing on the world around you. They didn't care who was standing left or right. They said, I'm not bowing down to the God that you've set up. I serve one God, and I'm not going to bow down. Then they were interrogated. We, interrogated. we saw that last week in verse 14. Not only were they accused, but then they were brought before the king, and the king started interrogating, right? And this should encourage us to balance between following the authority of man and upholding godly values. And we talked about that, right? This encourages us to, to look into the authority that's set above us, but prioritize following God and his statutes over following the blind obedience of men. If it goes against the word of God, do not follow it. Don't follow it. Follow after the statutes of God. He will never steer you wrong, right? Stay focused on the word. And then we see in verse 15, we saw last week the declaration. Right In this verse, we see that, that the king Nebuchadnezzar was giving them a, what? a second chance. Now I'm going to give you a second chance. When you hear the music and you hear the sound of all of this stuff, go ahead and bow down again because maybe you didn't hear it the first time. Right? But we know that all of the tolerance that the king was having was starting to wear thin. And we can start to see that in this, in this passage. It was wearing thin and, and this king guaranteed you continue in your rebellion against me. You continue in your disobedience against the decree that I set out. I promise you, you will die. You'll die. I'll kill you because I'm not going to stand for your rebellion. Right? This continues to be a reality in today's world. There are, there are hundreds, if not thousands, that give their life all the time for Christ. We just don't hear about it in mainstream media. They give their life all the time. There are countries that would rather kill you than have you in their country. They do not like, and there are loads of countries that, that will not, they ban Christianity, do not come into this country, or you will be killed. Right? We still live in that now, but it's what? It's the Christian that's forced to bow to the philosophies of man. It's Christianity that is forced to bow to the philosophies of the world. It's Christianity that gets prayer removed from school. 
But you know what's so sad about it as our jellyfish-backed men that didn't say a, a, a doggone thing about it? They just said, okay, sure, that's fine. Prayer come out of it. We're not going to say anything. Where were the men of God that stood up and said, no, we have the right to pray? I have the right to speak to my God at any point, at any place, at any time I would like to, and there's nothing you can do about it. If you don't want to pray to the God that I pray to, guess what? Don't pray to him. But just like Joshua said in 2415, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. If it's the gods of the Amorites in the land that we now dwell, good for you. If it's the gods of the forefathers that were before the flood, good for you. But as far as me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Right? But where were the men that were resolute, that stood up and said, no, we're not standing for it any longer. I'll pray where I want, when I want, and how I want to my God. He's who I serve. You serve who you want to. God's with a little G. That's great. I'm serving the big G. I'm serving the capital G God. The one that transcends time, space, or matter. I'm talking about the God that reached out into nothing and grabbed a hold of something and threw it out and created everything. I'm talking about the God whose hand is so big that he grabbed the stars and threw them out and he knows them by name. That's the God I serve. That's the king I serve. Do you know him? Because if you knew him, you would be just as excited about knowing him. Why? Because when we have a relationship with the king and creator of the universe, our life begins to change. Why? Because we want to. And then we're resolute because we know what we know and we stand on the word of God. But now we have so many people and so many Christians that don't know the word of God. They don't know what to stand on. And I know it's a good chuckle and we talked about it at the men's ministry and we talked about the different versions of the Bible. And now there's a Gen Z Bible that's coming out that's... It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> Look it up. If you're curious, look it up. Stand on the word of God. The unchanging word of God. And I know people talk about it so much. Well, it's so hard to read. That's hogwash. It's, it's hogwash. I've been reading this thing since I was a kid. And I understand it since I was a kid. Pick up the word of God that doesn't change and read the word of God. It's not my understanding that I get in the first place. It's the Holy Spirit that gives it to me. So pray God open your eyes and help you read the word of God. Right? And then know the word of God. Hide it in your heart. Why does it say hide it in our heart? In, hide it in our heart? That we won't sin against him. Right? They were resolute and they stood firm on the word of God. And that brings us to where we're at today. So we covered the confrontation last week and this week we're going to look at their commitment. Verses 16 through 23 talks about their determination, right? The first thing that I want to draw our attention to in verse 16 is that they were settled. They were steadfast and they were settled in their word. Look at verse 16 with me. The Bible says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. I absolutely love that. Not I'm not careful to answer you in this matter. 
I don't have to think about it. And I can only imagine the look on his face when the king heard that. I can only picture his countenance shifting when the three Hebrew boys said, King, I don't even need to talk to you about this. The highest person in, in charge, he's the man. The buck stops at his desk. He has the right to kill you and take your life. He has the right to pardon you. He's the top in command. And these three Hebrew boys said, King, I don't have to answer you in this. And we don't even have to talk about this. They didn't hesitate to give this statement. They didn't hesitate to give this answer. They basically told the king, look, I don't have to think about any of this. I don't have to think about it. There's nothing to discuss here. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you finally get to that point? Look, I'm done. There's nothing else to discuss here. I'm finished. I said what I said. I'm standing on what I'm standing on. That is it. That's what they were saying. Right? We don't need to defend ourselves or our God. That's the cool part. King, I don't have to defend myself against you. I don't have to defend my, ki my, my king, my God, against you. Our God will defend both himself and he'll defend me. He'll defend himself and me. Many times we believe that we need to defend our faith. How many times have you heard it? Apologetics, you want to defend your faith and know what you know. And, and, and hey, I'm not against apologetics. Right? Taking a class in it, the whole nine yards. Got a t-shirt and all that stuff. Right? Apologetics, knowing what you know and know why you know it. That's great. But you don't have to defend it. You don't have to defend God. God's fully capable of defending himself. He's fully capable of defending. And I believe that it's a bit arrogant for us to think that we need to even defend God. Or that we need to defend our faith. He's perfectly capable of defending himself. Listen to me. Our task is not to defend our, to, to defend our God. Our task is not to defend God. Our task is to obey him and to trust him. Don't worry about defending him. He's perfectly capable of defending himself. Just trust him. I promise you, when we trust God in our life, he'll do the rest. I promise you. He'll do the rest. I love how Charles Spurgeon said this once. He said, suppose the number of persons were to take into their heads that they had to defend a lion, a full-grown king of beasts. He said, there he is in his cage, and he's come, all of these soldiers of the army to fight for him. Well, I should suggest to them, if they were not object, and feel that it was humbling to them, that they should kindly stand back. Charles Spurgeon says, just, just stand back and open the door. That's all you got to do. And let the lion out. He continues, says, I believe that that would be the best way of defending him. For he would take care of himself. The best way to defending the gospel. And the best apology for the gospel. Is just let the gospel out. Just let the gospel out. Charles Spurgeon continued. He said never mind about defending Deuteronomy. Never mind defending the Pentateuch. Preach Jesus Christ. And preach him crucified. Preach his death, his burial, and his resurrection. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah will soon drive away all his adversities. He continued and said, this is how Christ's first disciples worked. 
And if you look back in Acts, you see this is how the disciples worked. He said this is how Christ's first disciples worked. They preached Jesus Christ wherever they went. They didn't stop to apologize, but they boldly bore their witness for everyone to see. That's the people that we need today. That's the Christians that we need to get back to being. Those that stand on the word of God and they're not ashamed of it. And they call right, right. And they call wrong, wrong. And they move forward with the gospel, right? We need those that are settled in their faith just like the three Hebrew men, all right? Our goal should be that we are so committed to the Lord and that our faith in him is so strong and our faith in God is so convicting that we wouldn't hesitate to stand for him. Just like these men, I don't have to answer you in this matter, O king. I'm standing for what I stand for, and we've, we've said what we said. That's the end of the conversation. Straightforward and resolute, right? That's the people that we need in church today. They were settled in God. And they, not only were they settled in God, they were surrendered to God. Look at verses 17 and 18. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. This is a picture of genuine faith in God right here. That is a crystal clear cut of what genuine faith looks like when serving God. Right? Listen to me on this, right? God is able. They were essentially saying God is able to deliver us and we're confident that God will deliver us. But if by chance that God doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace and we're consumed by the fire that you set forth, I promise you he will deliver me from your hand, O king. You're not that big. You're not that powerful that you're going to usurp your kingdom over God's kingdom. I promise you, he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Watch it happen. Watch it happen. This type of faith right here, this is easy preaching, but this is hard living. This is hard faith to possess. Right? It's so easy to have this faith sitting in this, in this congregation right now. It's so easy to possess this type of faith. That resolute faith saying, yes, I'm standing for God no matter what the world says. But then we walk out that door and then the enemy hits. See, because this is like being back in garrison for those of, the, those of my brothers and sisters that, that worked in the military, right? You know, you know what garrison's like. Garrison's easy peasy. Garrison's good. You get good food. I won't say good food. You get food that's better in garrison, right? Air Force got good food, right? Army guys, we just got better food than what we would have got in the field, right? But we had decent food in garrison. We had the luxuries of being in the barracks in garrison, whether they were good, bad, or indifferent, they were better than sleeping under a lean-to in the middle of the raining season in Fort Benning, Georgia. I can promise you that. Ask me how I know. Right? We had, we had conveniences of computers. We had the convenience of our cell phone. We could talk to family. We could do all this stuff in garrison. Garrison's easy living. But then you're on that 30-day field problem. Then you're on that 90-day deployment. Then you're on that 6, 8, 9-month, 12-month deployment. 12 months to Korea, no family due. See, those are the times that it gets challenging. Then you go from being in nice comforts of garrison to the real world. And the real world's hard. But they stood. 
these men stood. The apostle Peter, he started stating, look, he stated that he was, very, he was ready to die. This is easy preaching. It's hard living. The apostle Peter, the, 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 the head, he was, he was the vocal point of the, the disciples, right? Peter. And he says, Christ, I'll go with you until I die. I'll, I'll die for you. And he said, oh, Peter, before the cock crows, before the rooster even crows in the morning time, my friend, you're going to deny me three times. No. No, because I love you. I got the Jesus bumper sticker on my car. I own at least three Christian t-shirts. Christ, I'll, I'll follow you to the grave. And then we deny him by our lifestyle. It's easy preaching. It's hard possessing. Because we're flesh. And we want to go back to the lust of the flesh. Denied him three times. Listen to me. If you want a faith that's resolute like these three Hebrew men. It takes more than a casual encounter with the Lord on a Sunday morning. And I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, Sunday morning only, and you guys don't come back, blah, 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 blah. Not what I'm talking about. A casual Sunday morning to a church house somewhere in Camden County or somewhere in this world is going to take a whole lot more than just a casual church meeting to get you to have that resolute faith. I'm talking about you better have a relationship with God on Monday morning before your feet hit the ground and you're praying. You better have a relationship with him in that afternoon as the boss is breathing down your, your neck and you're about at your, your wit's end. You better have studying and a relationship with him when life hits, when the unexpected storms in life come in and knock you off your feet. Has anyone been there? Have a relationship with him. Have a relationship. That's the only thing that you're going to have to get you through whatever stuff you're going through. Stand firm. Stand firm and be settled. They were surrendered to God. Not only did they surrender themselves to God, they were steadfast in their faith to God. This is in verses 19 through 23, right? It was one thing to, remind, to, to, to be defiant while talking to the king, but it took courage to not only verbalize and to be defiant to that king and say, I'm not, I'm not worshiping the God that you set up. It took courage to stand before that fiery furnace. See, that's when rubber hits the road. That's when things change. In church family, I'm not a Debbie Downer, but times like that are coming. Are you ready? What are you going to do when they start pushing forth and say, there is no more church. No more church. We'll have a one world religion. And this is the religion everybody has because we want to coexist with everyone. And we don't want to offend anyone. It's coming. There's already a country, I can't remember the country it's in, but there's already a, a facility that's set up. There's three big buildings, I was just talking about it this morning, three big churches with a common area in the center. One's Jewish, one's Islamic, and one's Catholicism. 
And they say, we can all come together and we can serve our God and we can do it together in unison. No, we cannot serve our God in unison. No, sir. Because the God of the Islam is not the God that I serve. The Jesus Christ that is, that is brought forth in Catholicism is completely different than the Jesus Christ that I serve. Right? You're starting to talk about two different gods. I don't worship a god with Islam, Buddhists, or anyone else. I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I serve Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, who gets me to said God. Jesus said in John, I am the way. Jesus speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by me. And that still offends people. When you say, I am the way, it offends people. Because they want their way, right? This king was enraged when they said, I'm not going to serve your God. I'm not going to serve the God that you set up. And he demanded the fiery furnace to be heated one seven times hotter than it was. This thing was cranking all because they were defiant against him. It was cranking. They were bound in all of their clothes, scripture said, and the fire was so hot that even the, the mightiest men of Nebuchadnezzar's army were killed as they threw them in. They fell over dead from the heat. Do we possess this type of faith? That when, they stand, when we stand before them and they say, hey, insert your name here, you better take a mark. You're not going to buy, sell, trade, eat, or anything else. You better take a mark. In your, forehead, or in your forehead or on your arm, in your hand. Pick one. What are you going to do? Watch people pray and be ready. Because it's coming. Hard times are coming. You heard it from this pastor on this day in February that hard times are coming. Okay? Do we possess that type of faith? These, these were our... And I understand these questions that I'm asking this morning, they're sobering. They're very sobering, or should be. If you're not concerned about it and you're not being sobered about it, you probably should check your relationship with God. They're sobering. What are you going to do in the face of adversity? Adversity. What are you going to do when they, when they say, okay, you, you're not taking the mark? Follow this gentleman right here and we're heading to the chopping block. Then what? Because I can promise you, and I'm not going to give a percentage, but there's a very vast amount of people that's just like you and I that are in a church service this morning that will be like, <laughs> just kidding. Christian? I don't know Christ. I, I, I was just funning. I was just funning. That's where rubber meets the road, as I said a minute ago. That's when the true followers come out. And the fans get pushed aside. Where are you going to be on that day? The Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. I want to encourage you this morning with the same thing. He said, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. In the army... When I was finally out there and doing it did, it, did I enjoy it? Absolutely not. 
Did I love it? I would lie if I told you I did. But did I endure it? Absolutely. Why? Because there was a mission that I had to accomplish. And when my, my platoon leader and my platoon sergeant put out that there was a mission to accomplish, I set forth and I accomplished said mission. Right? Love of God and love of country. I stood fast. And I knew there was a possibility to die. And I've got three very good friends that lost their life in Iraq, gave up their life doing just that. But they still move forward with the mission. All the way up into their last breath. Do we have that dedication in the spiritual world? Are we standing fast like a good soldier of Jesus Christ? To say, you know what? Take my last breath. But I promise you my last breath will be praising God. Because you can take this life from me. But for me to live as Christ. And for me to die as gain. You're just sending me home. Where's the chopping block? I pray that God will give me the same amount of grace that he gave the Apostle Paul and I can run to it. Don't chase me, guys. I'm not trying to run from you. You better keep up because I'm heading home, right? I'm just heading home. Always forward. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Always forward. We're not going to finish it this morning, so come back next week. I'm doing a point a week. You guys are getting slow-fedded, slow-feeded, getting fed slowly, right? But I want to encourage you this morning, stand fast. Know what you know, know why you know it, and stand on it. Don't move. Scripture says don't look to the left and don't look to the right. Put blinders on and say, God, give me spiritual blinders, right? If you've ever been to the old city, St. Augustine, you know, or any other, these places like up in Savannah, and you go on these horse rides, what is it? Mo most of those horses, what do they have on? Blinders. Why? Because they need to see straight forward. They don't need to, need to, to see the people on the sidewalk to their left or right. They don't need to see the road to their left or their right. They put blinders on these horses so they can stay focused. You've got a job to do, and I need you to move forward. You've got a job to do to serve these people and get them to where they're going on their trip. You've got a job to do to move forward. You've got a job to do to get the lost where they need to go, right? And I'm just one blind beggar telling another blind beggar where to find some food, okay? With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't have a relationship with God this morning, you say, well, pastor, I know him. That's awesome. I'm glad you do. But does he know you back? If you don't have a relationship with God this morning, now is the accepted time. If God's knocking on your heart's door and you need a relationship with him, come up here. I would love to talk to you. Pastor Rick will be up here in a moment. You can talk to Pastor Rick and grab him and say, look, I need to know about the, the, the God that, that Pastor Don was preaching about. I need to know about that God that, that he serves because he's acting a whole lot different than anyone I've ever seen before. He has something that I've never seen anyone have, truly have, and grab a hold of. He has something different, and I want that. 
I want that relationship with him. I want to be able to say I can stand fast and no matter what comes my way, I'm going to stand steadfast and I'm not going to give in. I might fall, but I'm going to get right back up. I might get pushed on, but I'm going to stand steadfast. If you don't have that relationship with God, please come and talk to us. We'd love to share the gospel with you. We'd love to walk through that with you and tell you how you can have that relationship with him. Wherever you're at in this place today, wherever you are spiritually, answer what God is talking to you about. If he's knocking on your heart's door, answer that door. Maybe you just need to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you've got lost loved ones in your family that you need to pray for and intercede for. Come pray for them. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross and pray and lift them up. I love that passage in Joshua. It says, for as far as me and my house will serve the Lord. Keep praying for them, church family. Just because you might be the one that plants the seed, just because you might be the one that waters that seed, or just because somebody might come along and actually reap the harvest of that seed, you never know. Keep praying. Wherever you're at in this place today, won't you come? Father, as we come to the time of our invitation, Lord, God, I pray that, Lord, you would speak to those that are here. God, if there's anyone that's lost or undone and needs that uh, to come to you and needs that assurance that they have a relationship with you and changed life is what they see, a changed life. God, may that happen today. Lord, whatever it is, God, I pray that your will be done. We love you and praise you. As the music begins to play, won't you come? <laughs>